Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gerser, founder of Herbert Gerser Digital. We were actually talking with, um, I guess you would have already heard from, Tyson Bettino. And while we were talking, we realized that he had this phenomenal experience, particularly in the Japanese market. Mm -hmm. And we know that so many of you are also really fascinated by what must be one of the largest uh, language learning markets in the world and and a market of huge potential. So what better way than to spend this uh, time with uh, Tyson Bettino, a serial entrepreneur that's uh, created a number of language schools in the Japanese market. So Tyson, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be on the show, guys. And uh, yes, I have created uh, multiple language schools in Japan, one for the Japanese language and one for English. And the English school I created is one of, I would say, the top 10 biggest schools in-person adult lessons in Japan. This jumps into a really interesting kind of area, which I know that a lot of people listening if they're in the Japanese market, they'll be interested in you. If they're not in the Japanese market, they're going to be interested in you. So can you give us a bit of an overview of the Japanese English language market? Um, maybe starting off with some proportions of where the kind of um, biggest areas are, where the growth areas might be, um, you know, how that sort of transition from in-person to online is faring. You know, is it made of really centralized companies? I, I definitely feel like there's a a lack of understanding about the Japanese market that I think people will find fascinating. Gotcha. So if you're already in the Japanese market, you probably know who I am, or at least, you know, my company already, and you can put a face to the name. Uh, so I'll give a brief, or I'll give an overview of the Japanese language market. Then if you, uh, Alex or her, if you guys have questions, you can kind of help me double down. Sure. So there's quite a lot of industries within the education space for language in Japan. The first big segment is B2B, where a language, or I would say, a, a, it could be a language school, or it could be like a teacher dispatch service, mm-hmm. sends teachers to corporations. They can either teach new grads, so every April, they have hundreds of new grads, and they need someone who to do like a week or two-week boot camp to upgrade their English. The other uh-huh. way is where uh, you might have executives or people who are going to travel overseas, or they run an overseas unit, so they need English. So they'll provide that person one-on-one lessons. So this segment is served both by large corporations like Berlitz, but also smaller mom and pop units where, you know, two to three people, but with very high skill. And this can range from general teaching to very specialized, like airlines, English, mm-hmm. hospitality, English. And uh, because uh, pre-COVID, at least, Jap- the tourism in Japan was booming like crazy. And every year, just more and more and more and more tourists. So the need for providing English education, the hospitality had also expanded. Uh, The second type is a language school that caters primarily to just children. Mm. So they'll teach uh, kindergarten, elementary, junior. And usually this would be once or several times a week. And the focus is mainly just on having fun. They also have schools called, they call it jukus, which is, I think, translate to cram school. 
but usually around junior high school or later elementary school and senior high school. They go to these cram schools where they really learn how to do test preparation. So, for mm -hmm. example, a child who's maybe nine, 10 years old, they'll go on the weekends for like four hours, maybe even eight hours or maybe even like 12 hours a week, like after regular school. And they'll do test preparation, like, you know, math, science. And the reason they have these types of schools is in Japan, they really have this, uh, I would say community or like group oriented style of teaching where everyone moves at the same pace. Mm -hmm. So you might have a student who's exceptional, but they try to go at the pace at the middle ground. And sometimes they'll even slow the pace to help the people who are, let's say, the slowest in the class catch up or to try to help them out as well. So rather than trying to be at the average or catering towards the students extend the most, they actually try to go down a bit. So mm -hmm. that's why jukus or kranskus arose because parents whose kids, they want their kids to go to the high, let's say the grade A, grade B universities. Uh, they won't get that at public school. So they need to go to these cram schools to really get that test prep to pass those education. And now that English is being prioritized by the top universities, I think maybe I, I might be wrong on this, but I think like in the last five years, there's been a greater, I think they might've put a higher standard, like score they need to take maybe like Aiken or something like that, or Aiken or uh, TOEIC. And so uh, more cram schools now are offering uh, English lessons as well, or more intensive English lessons. And so this cram schools, jukus, they're normally taught by Japanese teachers who explain the grammar in Japanese. So they're mainly owned and operated by Japanese. Whereas the traditional, most schools that teach kids, I'll say maybe half are owned by Japanese, half are owned by uh, foreigners. Uh, the adult market is pretty straightforward. It's, uh, they just teach adults. They, and usually they teach a very, you know, general conversation, uh, test preparation, travel English, and pretty much whatever the client, or like even free conversation. So mm -hmm. for the adult centered language schools, uh, that's the type of education they provide. But in recent years, there's been some new variety of education types. So the new one is called uh, the boot camp style. And the boot camp style is normally a Japanese person. They would study abroad. So they'll maybe quit their job or take a break and go for uh, one week, two weeks. Or I guess if they quit their job, probably three to six months or longer and just study abroad in the Philippines, Canada, Australia. But I would say in the last 10 years, there's been a couple of variations, but one boot camp style is the TOEIC score boot camp, where they guarantee you that we'll increase your score by 100 points, 150 points. Uh, you have to drop, drop down a large wad of cash. Mm -hmm. You can take unlimited lessons. They have a coach who messages you, make sure you do the homework. And uh, the, if you go through their program and do everything they say, they guarantee you'll get results. And in some wow. cases, they will even give a money back guarantee or they'll give you some money back if you don't, or they might let you take another course for free if you don't achieve that, if you follow their plan. And so there's, uh, that one has a lot of, uh, and in that case, they have like specialized staff for coaching. 
Mm-hmm. So you have teachers and coaches. So one of my friends runs one of the most successful ones there for the boot camp. So that's one style where they guarantee your score. The other one, it's uh, you want to improve your speaking. We offer unlimited lessons. You pay a lot of money. You sign for three months. We give you coaching maybe like in two week spans or like you'll actually spend an hour with the person. Like what challenges are you having? Okay, let's tailor your language program for this. So I think the study abroad, you'll often attend a group class, but a lot of these boot camp ones, uh, you'll have a counselor from the beginning. They'll create a tailored language learning plan for you. You take it, they follow up with you, and they adjust it based on that. So those are the two boot camp styles. And uh, they can range from like a one-month program, three-month. And uh, I think there's even one that's one year, unlimited lessons online in person. And it's uh, five figures, like to enroll. So that's the boot camp style, as opposed to, I mentioned the adult one and the adult one previously, it was kind of light, like you come once a week, twice a week. But now the boot camp one has uh, for like people who the once or twice a week doesn't work or, you know, they really need something intensive. They'll go to the boot camp style and just kind of force themselves but they don't want to go overseas or maybe because they're working, they can't go overseas. Mm-hmm. So, and these schools, their peak hours is, I think, usually in the morning and probably uh, after, like, let's say evenings, like before work and after work. People come in, take their lessons at 6 a.m. After work, they come and take more lessons. And so, you know, they can probably sneak in like three to four hours and maybe they won't do homework, but they'll at least get in that hour's repetition. Wow. And, and uh, online has have popped up. I don't think online kids is the, that popular, to be honest. That's Maybe compared to China. Mm-hmm. They might be more popular in China. Uh, for very- Out of curiosity, is the online segment more for like professionals that may not be able to go away or attend boot camps or those sorts of things or is it more in the sort of boot camp style where the online kind of area is kind of uh, taking over uh, so i actually discovered why online for adults is taking off mm-hmm. and uh, the reason for that is price is i mean most people would assume it's price which is mm-hmm. true but it's actually flexibility mm-hmm Meaning like uh, if you're taking lessons for a place that charges normal rates, you know, like 40, 50 bucks an hour, very few of them will say, yeah, you feel free to cancel on the same day. Mm. Yeah. But with these online ones, I think some like uh, you can cancel on the same day. You could choose two lessons. Yeah. Uh, it's like, actually, I want one more lesson. Cool. Bam. So they had, they're really the, the kings and queens of supply. Yeah. Whereas a traditional place that emphasizes like lesson quality. So places that emphasize lesson quality, they can't really provide that flexibility because they can't provide enough teachers. So I think one reason they might be losing market share is actually people might prefer flexibility mm-hmm. over lesson quality if they were forced to make a choice. Yeah. And also the pricing. Yes, yeah, so you've mentioned oh. some some of the major drivers. So, I mean, prices, as you say, one component, particularly if prices uh, become remarkably different between uh, options. Um, what are the kind of other kind of major motivations for 
Japanese students to learn and kind of are driving their purchasing behavior. You kind of mentioned quality is one thing, but flexibility being kind of maybe even overriding or finding a new balance point there. Is there anything else that is quite insightful about the Japanese language customer? So the obvious ones, uh, I'll just go through the obvious, or the obvious yeah. ones is they need it for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is they're going to travel overseas and uh, they don't want to be one of those people who just can't speak English. So yeah. they're kind of, they feel kind of embarrassed, a little bit guilty, not being able to speak the language of the country they're going to. So they want kind of like a reboot. Mm-hmm. So for the travel... Uh, other ones, it's more, it's kind of like going to the gym, like it's your social gathering of the week. So mm. like I go to the gym or I might just meet some friends at the, the pub. But for some people, you know, going to the English language school every week, that's their kind of a weekly uh, social gathering. Got it. And uh, the one that's, uh, so I guess it's not so obvious, but in some cases it could be the ones, uh, boredom. <laughs> so you have your routine. So you can go meet uh, some foreigner, have a chat, learn about different countries, and it provides a, say a little bit of change of your day-to-day routine in Japan. Interesting. Like maybe hardcore, hardcore countries like maybe Korea and I'm not sure about China, but Japan. Uh, I think definitely that market's there. Out of curiosity, you kind of mentioned that social aspect. Um, I'm also aware that one-on-ones are incredibly popular in Japan, but do you feel that there's any shifts in between one-on-one teaching compared to say group teaching is, um, and that might differ between online and in person. Oh, I gotcha. It's, so I think that the target segments are a little bit different. I think people who just want group lessons though, I mean, one big aspect is price, but the other one is they actually, it's, uh, they actually want to socialize with other Japanese people as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they like to talk about uh, topics like travel or overseas. So you can meet people who are more likely than the standard population to be interested in a topic you are. So say that's one. Uh, Also for group lessons. Yeah, there might be people in their 20s that uh, 30s, they they might be looking to meet someone nice. (laughs) So they can meet other people. And... uh, some other ones, it's uh, some one unique point is people say like uh, they like learning, they like hearing what other, how other people speak. Yeah, and just seeing like how they speak English and just kind of compare themselves. So they learn through other people. So so that's kind of like the group lesson types. Uh, for the private lesson, it's usually you know they want to go at their own pace. Yeah. Uh, other ones is uh, they don't want other people to listen to them. Yeah. And I'll mm. say the third one, which is really common in Japan is uh, they want a lot of corrections. Like tell me everything that I'm doing wrong and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to inconvenience a group. So yeah. So allowing themselves to be open to, to kind of critique makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Tyson, how just out of curiosity as well, and people be listening and going, Hey, I'd love to learn more from Tyson. And uh, I'm certainly wanting to learn more. But how can they find you Tyson? I think you could type my name in, in LinkedIn. Uh, I think hopefully, or if you could add it in the show notes. Absolutely. That That's Tyson, T-Y-S-O-N, Bettino, B-A-T-I-N-O. That is correct. And they can also check out my website, uh, www.scalingyourcompany.com. 
And I have a lot of free resources. Uh, I have about maybe uh, six webinars I've done for free, like right. on how to scale from one to 20, how to focus. Uh, uh, quite a few have run, written a lot of blog posts on management and how to scale. So I have a lot of free resources. But yeah, also, if you want to work with me, you can check out the site and reach out to me. And I can definitely help uh, push you through the stages. And I help not only language school, but I can also help with, uh, let's say, educational products. And uh, actually, half my clients are not language school related. So mm -hmm. I have about uh, 10 different industries that I'm helping. Amazing. Right. Well, I think that definitely brings some uh, some interesting different perspectives that'll uh, enrich the experience. So definitely go and check out Tyson's website. Um, uh, Herbert, where can they find you? Uh, at my website on herbertgerzer.com. And you can learn more about LearnCube at www.learncube.com. And if you'd like to stay part of the Get More Students community, you can go to getmorestudents.org. And you can find more about our podcasts, our monthly webinars, and all the resources we try and provide uh, relating to ideas, inspiration, and motivation for language and tutoring business owners. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Next time. Bye.